Aristotle said, quality is not an act, it's a habit. Lu Cha added, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Our life is a series of habits. From the second that we wake up to the last thought that we have at the end of the day. Everything we do is driven by the habits we have learned throughout our lives. Join me today as we discuss what habits are, the four steps of habit formation, and the habits we as professionals should seek to establish. Stay tuned, OTRs. So the real challenge is, how do veterinarians like us, who don't have the time, resources, or financial backing of a multi-million dollar company, who are faced with irregular work schedules, on-calls, and emergencies, how can we facilitate our own personal and professional growth so we can continue to offer superior service to our clients while still remaining competitive in today's market? That is the challenge, and this podcast will provide you the roadmap to its solution. I'm your host, Dr. Eric, and welcome to Operators to Owners. Thanks for joining me today, OTRs. Today's discussion will bring some great insights into how you can establish habits that reinforce the professional development plan you wish to pursue. Before we start, I want to invite you to join our private Facebook group at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. And I wanted to make you aware of the new Operators to Owners blog, which can be found at otovets.com forward slash blog. And this will have a lot more content about today's topic, as well as many other practical application techniques and topics for you and the medicine that you practice. Join our community today and begin to adopt a developmental mentality. With that said, let's roll right into this episode. So, what exactly are habits? Habits are the decisions that occupy much of our lives. In fact, research from Duke University suggests that habits may make up more than 40% of our behaviors every day. And habits are the actions, decisions, routines, or practices that you take on repeatedly, the compound effect of which defines who you currently are and who you will become. Author James Clear defines habits as the compound interest of self-improvement. And that is to say that habits are the actions, the routines, and the practices that we truly value. These actions, routines, and practices are driven by our current mood, current environment, and even by our social groups. No single person shares the same habits as any other single person because of these factors. Habits 
embody who we are currently, but they can also embody who we want to become. Think of each habit you have as a single vote to who you will become in the future. Positive or negative, this vote will determine what kind of person you will be in the future. But why should we as medical professionals care about habits? Well, habits play a huge role in our career and our career longevity. So much like we talked about in episode 21 of the Operator's Owners podcast, and where we talked about applied heuristics, we tend to lean more on these heuristic habits the older we get. And this translates into our own slow drift away from science, research, and continuing education towards more experience-based and anecdotal medicine. While this is not always bad, recent research in the human medical field has shown that such a shift in habits is affecting the quality of medicine that is being practiced as we age. A recent study in France showed that surgical competency in human surgeons increased throughout the internship, residency, and first five to ten years of clinical practice. After this period, the surgeon then plateaued in their overall skill and success rate and actually began to experience a decline in overall case success rate. A similar Harvard study found that 52% of evaluated clinicians that treated the elderly saw a decrease in performance as the years went on that they practiced. Yet another Harvard study found that the 30-day case mortality rate increased by 1% every 10 years a clinician was past 40 years of age. As the famous philosopher Erasmus said, a nail is driven out by another nail, and habit is overcome by habit. In these examples, the clinician's habits that were cutting edge previously at the beginning of their careers are no longer as good or they have been mutated into a less than ideal philosophy which is tending them to trend towards underperformance compared to their prior selves. However, we don't need to worry though as not all research suggests that age is a detriment. Similar research found that if a clinician maintained their caseload over time, which would reinforce these good habits, would require them to keep their skills up to par, they were able to avoid this this overall decrease in performance. Another positive habit that promises to reduce this overall risk of decrease in service is regular consumption of CE. The Health Services Research Journal published a recent study that showed that clinical competency could be increased by as much as four percentile points with intensive CE programs. Clearly, the habits we form over time, as well as our exposure to continuing concentrated information, plays a role in who we will become as clinicians. We all have the goal of practicing good medicine well past the the over-the-hill age. To do this, we need to pursue habits that reach for this goal. Truthfully, habits can become more powerful than your ultimate goals because they are truly the input for these goals. 
The cumulative effect of these habits will determine if you end up reaching these goals or not. So with that said, people always ask, if habits are so important and I concentrate on them, how long will it take me to form a new habit? And science is pretty conflicted on this answer, on the exact number of days required to acquire a new habit. And this is a difficult number to calculate because each habit carries with itself its own difficulties, its own skill requirements, its own resource requirements, its own personality type, its own social influence, etc., etc. Ultimately, habit formation is a continuous, lifelong process that involves lifestyle adjustments and personal evolution. Author James Clear is seen as one of the most forefront authorities in mainstream habit formation. Clear's recent book, called Atomic Habits, is a bestseller on Amazon and has had a huge impact on the way people perceive habit formation and modulation. Rather than approach a habit as a singular structure, Clear suggests that we need to dissect that habit into four distinct categories. These four categories are the cue, the craving, the response, and the reward. Clear suggests that our reactions to an event or situation in our lives is often an actual habit loop driven by these four steps. That is to say, they feed into each other in a continuous circle, completing the cycle over and over and over again in our lives. So let's take the example of when you walk into a dark room and cannot see. The first thing you're going to do is turn on the light and continue doing what you're going to do, right? However, even this simple act is a habit that you have not even recognized. When you walk into that room, you were cued. The darkness caused your brain to signal you to turn the light on. And that was a habit. Your brain then signaled a craving to see what was in the room. Therefore, you responded by turning on the light. And were rewarded with the ability to see and assess what was going on in the room. This habit was formed when you were an infant and gained the ability to turn light switches on and off. And from that point, it was reinforced each time you entered a dark room and were rewarded with the visual stimulus of being able to see what was going on in that room. The cue in this scenario was the dark room, which acted as a trigger within the brain to begin a habit loop. Our brain uses cues such as these to indicate potential rewards around us. This process is conducted continuously within our subconscious brain. And once our subconscious detects a cue for a specific reward, it stimulates us to take action on it, enacting a craving. And these cravings are the great yet dangerous thing about habits. Positive and negative habits can be triggered by cues in the subconscious brain without us knowing, thus enacting a craving that we don't even know why we're experiencing. So cravings, like the desire to expose what is in the dark room, are the first part of the habit process we can identify consciously. Our hunger our exhaustion, our longing, or any other needs are all due to a craving our subconscious brain has put out into our mind due to a cue. 
Many people will confuse the craving step in the habit loop with the action required to fulfill the craving. Cravings are the perceived need in our brain for the end reward. The craving has little to do with how we achieve this feeling. In the end, it only conveys how we will feel at the end of the habit. How we achieve this specific reward takes place in the third step of the habit formation process, and that is the response. Our responses to cues and cravings are driven by our ability to act on them, as well as the level of motivation we have to achieve the end reward. So you can think of this as the part of the habit that determines how strong the habit will actually be. Habits that have complex, difficult, or resource-demanding responses are likely to be practiced less. This is why exercising is so hard. It requires a huge amount of resources in terms of energy and time up front, and it's often very difficult. And therefore, our brains often strongly resist following such a habit. And this will continue to be true until you make the end reward greater than any perceived resistance. So that is to say you can either reduce the resistance or increase the reward to make a habit more successful. So if we successfully accomplish the response action, we will be rewarded with a feeling that satisfies us or teaches us, resulting in a positive enforcement, reinforcement, neurochemical release. This in turn fulfills the craving we had at the beginning of the habit process. And this is the critical part of the entire process. Without a positive reward, habits will not continue to be practiced. So now that we kind of understand how habits work, and we want to learn a little bit more about them, let's talk about what the author James Clear recommends as good habits to seek out as a professional. And James Clear recommends that all professionals, medical professionals or others, pursue these five basic habits. And that's number one, daily exercise, whether that's a walk, a run, going to the gym. Clear suggests that daily exercise will outlet energy, outlet frustration, and kind of help you realign. He talks about it as kind of a brain reset and allows you to outlet energy of frustration from the day before you, say, go home or before you seek to do another task. So he says, number one, focus on exercise. That's a good habit. His second habit, he says, for professionals, is adopt a habit of reading. And the reason he says that this is good for professionals is because it allows you to learn or solve any problem. All the problems or the majority of the problems the human race faces have been experienced by somebody else. And there's a good chance that if you do the proper research, you will find something that you can read or interpret that will allow you to solve that problem or at least find a solution to it. So that's why he reinforces reading as the second habit that people should look into when they are professionals. The third habit Clear writes about is writing. And he says you need to use this to determine how you think or feel about anything. So he has a really good anecdotal story in his um, book where he talks about 
one of his friends, when he first started out, was asking him, you know, how do you establish yourself or how do you plan to establish yourself? And his friend kind of suggested to him, you need to go and write. Because once you can write something down, you know how you feel about it. Once you can, you know how you feel about it, you know how to teach it. Once you can teach it, you can take it mainstream. So he adopted this habit of writing two blog articles a day or two blog articles per week. And he did this for three or four years. And he really was forced to do more research and again, lean on that reading habit and try and get more focused, lean on that exercising habit, doing all of those things to reinforce these other habits. So by writing, he was able to determine how he actually felt about something, get enough education on it and become an expert. So that's why James recommends writing as the third habit you should seek as a professional. The fourth habit James Clear recommends in his Atomic Habits book is find a thinking spot. And what he means by that is find the time to think and find a spot that triggers it. So whether that's your favorite lounging chair or sitting in your truck for an extra 15 minutes in the morning or afternoon by yourself. But he says find that spot to center yourself. Come back down and it's a trigger spot for your brain to dump information, to start thinking about different things, to problem solve, to be creative, but find time every day, whether it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour, and devote that to actual thinking time. So thinking time is the fourth habit James Clear recommends. And the fifth habit James recommends is sleep. And that's just getting an adequate amount of sleep and that might not be the same amount of sleep every day. Maybe you have a catch-up day. Maybe you'll have some shorter days. Maybe you have to make a deadline so you don't get as much. But dedicating important time to sleep and making sure that that is dedicated time to make sure you're well-rested so you can function at a high plane. If you want to learn a little bit more about how you can function or get your sleep back up to par or just sleep better in general, check out my Friday's Favorites. Um, podcast recommendation this week. Um, Brendan Bouchard has a really good episode um, that he put out about three or four weeks ago um, that I'm going to review and, and recommend this Friday. So stop back on Friday for that. But those are five things that James Clear recommends. And again, he is you know one of the forefront experts in habits right now. So number one, exercise. Number two, read. Number three, write. Number four, find a thinking spot or a thinking time. And number five, sleep. So those are his recommendations for professionals. But if you join me for part two of this podcast next week, I'm going to share the 10 habits that I recommend new veterinarians adopt to accelerate their growth and their medical skills. I'm also going to talk about how you can reinforce your habits as you form and live them and how you can begin to form a new habit regime. So thanks for joining me today for this discussion on habits. Carry on OTRs, and we'll see you next week for a special episode. Also, please keep in mind that the week of New Year's, we will not have a podcast, but the following week, I will have a doubled up podcast for you guys with a little bit of extra content. Just going to let you guys enjoy the New Year, and we'll roll right into that. And we'll have that new class available. Again, if you're interested in the peer comparison heat map class that will be free to all OTO members, 
you can join our community at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. Thanks for joining me, OTOers. Have a great day. Don't forget to get your free copy of As a Man Thinketh at otovets.com forward slash thought. If you like this content, please sign up for our Facebook group at otovets.com forward slash Facebook dash group. I'd like to thank you personally for joining me today. And if you enjoyed this content, please like and share it on other social media sources and leave me a comment below so I know what you guys think and give me some ideas if you have an idea for an episode you'd like to see in the future. Thanks again, OTRs.